The following program is not intended for children under 13, even though 13 is the spookiest of numbers. It contains coarse language, mature content, stories about ghosts, it's kind of spooky, and also I am not responsible for the things that come out of my wife's mouth. Listen at your own risk. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Spooky Stories. Ooh. I'm your ghost co-host, Matt McComb, the kooky one. And I'm the spooky one, Kaya. And today we are going to be taking a bit of a dip into a different type of spooky. Okay, listen, most of the time we take a trip and now we're taking a dip. Now we're taking a dip. We're going to the pool. Yeah, we're just going to dip our toes in and hopefully not get fully sucked into this story. Okay, cool. That yeah. sounds good. Um, I'm pretty sure all the pools are closed. Though. I'm pretty sure in Alberta, everything is currently closed. Yeah, uh, definitely. Yeah. Okay, cool. Thanks, COVID. Yeah, so where are we going? Uh, so we are going to kind of cover different areas of Canada. And today we are going to be talking about something that... Many people would probably find us spooky or creepy in its own way. And uh, we are going to be discussing cults. Ooh. Yeah. There's some pretty messed up shit in Canada. Cults. It doesn't really have a spook to it. <laughs> it doesn't really. Like ghosts, you can be like, ghosts or vampires. <laughs> but with cults, you can be like, cold speaking of vampires today i was having a uh, session with my mentor at work and he was telling me what seattle is like in the event that we ever decide we're going to move there whoa 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 we're moving to seattle and uh i'm not gonna even acknowledge that because (laughs) there's no point in you acting like you're surprised we've discussed this but anyways so he was telling me what the weather is like there and about how it's like you know, there's a lot of like overcast days. There's sunny days too, obviously, but like the majority of the time it's like overcast and stuff. I'm like, oh, cool. So it's perfect for people who are vampires like me. <laughs> and he <laughs> thought it was funny. <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah. It was, mm-hmm. it was very fitting, I thought. So where are we going? Well, we're not really going anywhere specific. We're going to cover a few different areas in Canada. Like? Uh, you can wait until we get into it. Okay. Are you ready? No. Uh, why? I think we should talk about something less spooky. Like what? I am so glad you asked. I came up with a list today. <laughs> um, of course you did. Things that are less spooky. Let's talk about uh, what temperature should my fridge be? Or uh, why do the Germans think that pickles <laughs> have to be a part of Christmas? What? Also, I have some nice s'mores ice cream. What beer do you think I should pair with that ice cream? I love that you have like an actual list and we're not going to talk about any of those today. No. That could be a different podcast. A different podcast another time. Yeah. Uh, So can we get into it? I guess. All right. Are you sure? These are some quality topics. I have another one here about (laughs) flipping through, (laughs) flipping through, about... Frog vaginas? No, that's not that one. Um, <laughs> let me think here. Hold on. Page 52. This one. Okay. 
Um, why is it that every time I decide to do an outdoor outing, I either smell like campfire for like a week straight or I get COVID? <laughs> Can we talk about that? No? All right, let's talk about this. Okay, you shit. didn't get COVID. You maybe potentially could have gotten COVID. It was funnier with the other one, but okay, let's get into it. All right. So when people think or talk about cults, our brains immediately bring up thoughts of Jonestown, Heaven's Gate, Manson Family, and even the Latter-day Saints. Correction. When people think or talk about cults, and they are you, they think about those things. So if I When say, I think about cults, yeah. I think of robes and Kool-Aid and uh, Family Guy references from way, way back in the day. Okay, and cool. You think Kool-Aid. American Horror Story. Right. But you think Kool-Aid, which actually is like related to Jonestown, so... Yeah, and I know that because my wife right. is obsessed with all things spooky, macabre, and ghostly. Anyways... Uh, so cults like these ones have left impressions on us due to the tragedy and crime that surrounds them. While these cults were all founded in the USA, we here in Canada have cults that you may or may not have heard of. Today we are going to dig into some of those cults and Canada's connections with some of the larger and more well-known cults in North America. So a spooky cult. Yeah. From Town. So for anybody who lives under a rock... And doesn't know what a cult is. Uh, The dictionary defines it as a relatively small group of people having religious beliefs or practices regarded by others as strange or sinister. So basically any religion that I'm not a part of. Now, in modern days, a cult is a social group that is defined by its unusual religious, spiritual, or philosophical beliefs or by its common interest in a particular personality, object, or goal. Okay. Okay. Uh, the term cult often carries a derogatory connotation, thanks to some of the cults that I've already mentioned, mm-hmm. other cults that I haven't yet but may mention. Mm-hmm. Um, there's many different types of cults, which, I mean, I'm sure if you know about cults, you would know that. But I'm going to just chat quickly about what some of the types are. So the first one is a religious cult. Uh, so they basically shape their teachings and practices around specific religious beliefs, deities, things like that. Um, And their main focus is controlling their members based on those beliefs. So Sounds really nice. Doesn't sound like fun, right? No. Um, There are destructive cults, which refers to groups whose members have, through deliberate action, physically injured or killed another member of their own group or other people. So a good example of this would be Jonestown or even the People's Temple, which is another pretty well-known cult out there. So are we saying that all cults are evil? Is that the stance that we're going to take on the podcast um, today? I mean, like, not that they're evil, but all cults definitely have an aspect that's, like, messed up and causes them to, like, do weird shit, spooky shit. What about the wage slave cult, of which we're all a part of? <laughs> that's a different kind of cult we're not going to cover today. No, this is an NPR? Nope. Uh, go, moving on. So there are also doomsday cults, which are groups that believe in apocalypticism and millennianarianism. Those are complicated words. Mm-hmm. Um, and can also be used to refer to both groups uh, that predict disaster and groups that attempt to bring disaster about. Which, there's groups out there. Mm-hmm. That's messed up. Uh, there's political cults. Which is a cult with a primary interest in political action and ideology. They tend to prize loyalty to leaders above everything else. There's lots of those out there right now. 
Mm -hmm. This is my favorite because I don't think you're going to like this one. Meditation cults. I hate that. Uh Um, So these groups tend to focus on inducing dissociative states through trances, chanting, or fasting. When taken to extremes, such activities increase suggestibility to indoctrination, which is how they like convince people to stay with them. I hate that because it's like meditation is something that I really enjoy and that I know a lot of people are getting benefit from mindfulness uh, as I'm holding my finger and thumb together at the yeah. same time like I know at all <laughs> what I'm doing. The point is, is that like that's bullshit and like how, how mean it is to prey on people who are just like, you know, what, I'm, this is the only thing that's ever made sense to me religion wise. Right. Where it's just a very self journey. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Join our like six hour mantra chant. And then they're like, okay, so now that you have no idea about what's going on and forgotten how to breathe, uh, here's a pamphlet on how we should all drink the Kool-Aid. Yeah. So it's sad that it's out there, but they do exist right there alongside self-improvement cults, which uh, promote secular therapies, including motivational training, addiction counseling, or stress relief. They induce dependence, leading to long-term fee-paying membership, um, and those are also really common. I believe all of the self-help authors are very angry with you I right was like now. reading that and I was like, Tony Robbins comes to mind. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot that come to yeah. mind. The secret much? Yeah. Uh, okay, a couple more. There are polygamist cults. Pretty straightforward, but if you don't know what polygamy is, they're cults that teach and practice polygamy, uh, which is marriage between more than two people. Um, and it's most often polygyny which is one man having multiple wives. Yeah, that's yeah. that's a good situation for one person. Yeah. Uh, there are racist cults, such as the KKK. Mm-hmm. And terrorist cults, such as Al-Qaeda. There you go. Yeah. Uh, so cults, I didn't know they were considered a cult. They are technically now, yeah. Weirding. Interesting. Yeah. So cults usually rely on their members to recruit others through various means, with open meetings and personal contacts being the main avenues. New recruits are usually given a warm and affectionate welcome in a practice that is known as love bombing, but this cools down at the- <laughs> I feel like Al-Qaeda really likes that one. <laughs> okay, so it's not all cults. Um, but this practice uh, does start to cool down at the first sign of disobedience from members. Now, once you're recruited, members are usually discouraged from building relationships with people outside of the cult, which leads to emotional dependence on the group. And then you're stuck. Um, And cults tend to exploit the fear of rejection by isolating members from the outside world socially or physically and make an example of members who have been expelled, disciplined, or have chosen to leave on their own. So that's basically what a cult is. Can I just say something? Besides all the spooky stuff, I feel like cults really make me sad. They do. They really do. Because like I feel like all these people being taken advantage of who just want to belong. Mm -hmm. Um World Financial Group comes to mind. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But even like multi-level marketing schemes to me start to feel like cults after a while where it's like, oh, no, no, if it's not working, it's because it's you did it wrong. Mm -hmm. And you need to keep recruiting members and you need to keep, you know, pushing our agenda and like, look at this guy. He's doing so well. He's look at his fucking Ferrari and all the money he's making. You can do it, too. You can... Just join our cult and then get more people to join our cult and you'll do much better. Yeah. So those aren't really the types of cults that we're going to talk about today. The ones that we're going to talk about are a little darker, a little more sinister. So... More sinister than love bombing? Yep. So let's get into it. 
Okay, cool. All right. So the first one we're going to talk about is uh, the Anthill Kids, which I love the name. Yeah, I do. It sounds like nice. you find out why, you might not like it as much. Now, between 1977 and 1989, Rock Tarot was the leader of the Antel Kids, a Canadian doomsday cult based loosely on the teachings and beliefs of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. In its heyday, the cult comprised of 12 adults and 22 children who lived under Rock's totalitarian rule. I got it that time. Um, <laughs> at their commune in Quebec and then Ontario, where they were subject to severe physical and sexual abuse. What, were they living under a rock? <laughs> Oh, cute. Uh, so Rock Toreau was born on May 16th, 1947 in Quebec into a Catholic French-Canadian family. As a child, he was considered to be very intelligent, but he dropped out of school in the seventh grade and began to teach himself the Old Testament of the Bible. In the mid-1970s, after undergoing ulcer surgery, which left Rock with chronic pain and digestive problems, uh, he converted to the Seventh-day Adventist church and began practicing the religion's holistic beliefs, which encouraged a healthy lifestyle free of unhealthy foods and tobacco. He also became increasingly obsessed with medicine. Wait, 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 wait. So he was supposed to eat unhealthy foods? No, no. He was, which encouraged a healthy lifestyle free of unhealthy foods. Ah, free of unhealthy foods. Um, It's been said that this surgery kind of caused him to go a little unhinged, uh, which contributed to him becoming the sadistic cult leader we are going to find out that he is. That's what they say. You know, if you don't eat laced potato chips, (laughs) you're going to come unhinged. There you go. That's their new slogan. Yeah. Now, when he first converted, Rock was charming, and the church leaders even had him teaching classes on how to quit smoking. This didn't last long, however, and soon Rock's ego and erratic behavior caused the church to sever ties with him. After this happened, he began running his own healthy living clinic... Uh, where with the help of women who had followed him from the Seventh-day Adventist Church, he dispensed alternative and holistic medical treatments. The only one that I could really find was grape juice as a cure for leukemia. (laughs) But it's made with real Concord grapes. Right. It's got to cure leukemia. So by 1978, Rock had, in his own mind, become a holy man and claimed that God would speak to him directly. One of these conversations apparently warned Rock that the world was going to end on February 17th, 1979, due to a war between good and evil. He told his then small group of followers about the message and promised them that he would find a place to shield the group from the wrath that was going to happen. With this in mind, Rock found an isolated spot in Quebec, which he named the Eternal Mountain. He, along with nine women, four men, and a few children, sought shelter here. While Rock relaxed, he forced his followers to build the town they would live in for the next few years and compared them to ants working in an anthill. That is what gave the group the name the Anthill Kids. So it was a group built on the backs of slave labor. Yeah. (laughs) Literally. See... It's it's nice that we sit at home and do this now because like before we had like the the chair that I would always like roll my eyes back into the back of my head so hard that my head the would hit the wall would, or, and the chair would fall back and the chair would fall yeah. back and my head would hit the wall but now we have much more space to record and therefore I just you're safer I'm safe yeah I'm safe so thank you <laughs> to us 
So the Antel kids made their living by selling baked goods, but this fact aside, life in the group was a nightmare, to put it. Who were they mildly. selling baked goods to people, on the mountain? People. The goats? So they would like go into town and sell their baked goods to people. It was pre-COVID. Baked mushrooms, baked goat. Anyways. It was at this time that Rock decided his followers should call him Moses and forced group members to wear identical tunics to represent equality and their devotion to the commune. Not t- taking away from anyone else's religion there, right. are you, Rock? <laughs> uh Rock had multiple wives and concubines. Eight of the nine women who were who originally followed him became concubines. One, his wife. And he was the father of 26 children. Gross. Allowing Rock to impregnate the female members was a religious requirement. <laughs> yep. Some of the other rules uh, that were required to be followed included not speaking to each other unless Rock was around. And no sex between followers without his permission. Yeah, because they're all children of his. That's gross. Yeah. Uh, So like all doomsday predictions, up until now, February 17th, 1979 came and went. And the world was still ticking on. No way. Surprise, surprise. I remember that day. And I thought for sure we were going to have doomsday. You weren't even born. 1979? Yeah, that was like nine years before. Well, that was back in my past life, (laughs) my cult past life. Okay. Uh, So Rock explained to his followers that God's clock was set differently than those of mortals, and this is why they were still alive. Of course! God's still in Eastern Standard Time. We're in Mountain Standard Time. Now, the problem with their heyday kind of being like in the late 70s and him predicting that the world was going to end on 1979 and his followers telling other people this... Um, was that the revelation that the world wasn't ending for this group came shortly after the mass cult suicide of Jonestown in November of 1978. So we're already riding like a low point because over 900 women, men, and children were poisoned in Jonestown. But he's like, and eh, now the world's going to end and it's going to take all of you fuckers with it. Excuse me, Rock. Yeah. So um, with this news still fresh in everyone's mind. One of Rock's followers, Chantal Labrie, had her parents reach out to her and ask her to return home. When she refused, likely because of Rock, her parents got a court order to have Chantal submitted to a psychiatric exam. Now, this effort led to a raid on the commune and Rock was arrested for obstruction of justice. He was also sent to be evaluated by psychiatrists and all the exams that were completed found that both Rock and Chantel were in perfect mental health, so they returned to Eternal Mountain. Hooray! Hooray! What a happy story. Oh yeah, it's about to get real happy up in here. Now, after their return, Rock's drinking became more heavy and his behavior became more violent, leading to the torture of his followers with his bizarre brand of holistic medicine. And I said it like that because there was like air quotes around that. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, He was responsible for the death of a two-year-old named Samuel after he tried to perform a circumcision using a kitchen knife and pure ethanol. Oh, damn, son. That sounds terrible. Now, Samuel wasn't the only one who was harmed and Rock harmed many of his followers, both mentally and physically. 
So he would dole out punishments to his followers if they did things he didn't like. Some of the torture included burning them with an acetylene torch, pulling out their teeth with pliers, hanging them from the ceiling and plucking out each of their body hairs one by one, defecating on them, stabbing them, beating them on a regular basis. I'm sorry. <laughs> he would... I'm sorry The defecating on them is really funny. It's like you're in a cult and they're like, I'm going to shit on you. Yeah, I'm going to shit on you. Lay down on that floor. I'm going to Mentally shit. and physically, I'm, I'm going to shit on you. Shit right into your <laughs> not following mouth, you freaking loser. Yeah. Um, Maybe some of them were into that. Maybe they were maybe, into the humiliation. Maybe. He would even force followers to break the legs of other followers with a sledgehammer if they tried to leave the commune. Whoa. Yeah. So, okay. Uh, one follower... His name was Guy Veer, was castrated by Rock in an effort to help cure the man's headaches. After this happened, Guy fled and told police about the death of the infant Samuel. Rock was arrested and spent two years in jail along with one of his followers, a nurse named Gabrielle Lavelle. Do you know what's interesting? Who received nine months for aiding in the operation. What's interesting? I feel like Rock was really, like his intentions were pure. He was just trying to save that child from, like, smegma and, and other problems that come from having a foreskin. <laughs> sure. And it just went it just went poor. Yeah, it happens sometimes. Yeah. So, anyway. So, now he's in jail. One of his followers is in jail. And you would think that this would have caused the followers to disband. Um, but they instead rented apartments near the jail and waited for his release. Now... After his two-year stint in jail, Rock and his followers moved to a forest near Burnt River, Ontario. I'm sorry. You commit infanticide and you serve two years? So I think he only got two years because they couldn't prove that he that he killed the infant, but they could prove that he castrated this other guy. So, so just so you know, in Canada... In the 1970s, if you castrated someone, you only got two years in jail. So we're talking about cutting off their balls or like doing, mutilating their genitals so that yes. they can't have children or whatever. Yes. But okay, so you, you, you're, you're admitted to jail for, for mutilating an adult man's genitals and then a child's genitals are forcefully removed with a kitchen knife. Causing the child to die. Causing the child to die. And you're like... We can't really point fingers in this situation. Basically. Basically yep. Who's that guy's lawyer? Because I'm going to need to call him up. <laughs> um, so, like I said, they moved to a forest near Burnt River in Ontario. And at this time, the, con- the group consisted of nine women, two men, and more than 20 children who were mostly fathered by Rock. Go figure, right? I mean, he's he's there to impregnate all the women. Mm-hmm. It's a requirement. Now, in 1987, social workers removed 17 of the children from the commune after reports of Rock's brutality, but he faced no repercussions for his actions. I don't know. Ontario sucks, man. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, He was arrested on the suspicion of murder in the case of cult follower Solange Boylard, who died in 1988. She had come to Rock claiming she was experiencing stomach pains, who in turn gave her one of his special medical treatments. Are you ready for this? Was it a kick in the nuts? Because no. it feels like it might have been a no. kick in the nuts. Are you ready for this? Yeah. Uh, so it was an olive oil and molasses enema. 
<laughs> followed. Nope, that's not it. Followed by Rock splicing open her abdomen and ripping out a piece of her intestines. He then had Gabrielle Lavalle, the one who went to jail, stitch her back up and shove a tube down her throat to blow air into her so that she could still breathe. Oh, my God. So she died. (laughs) She died Um, because that's fucked up. And after her death, Rock claimed that he had the power of resurrection. Of course he does. uh, And that he could bring Solange back to life. I won't go into detail of what he and other male members did to resurrect her, but obviously it didn't work. Um, so she was buried a short distance from the commune. Okay. Yeah. that We're just going to leave it at that. Like, if you guys want to know the disgusting, gory details, go No, you yourself. don't want to know the disgusting, um, gory details. I'm, I'm trying to save you from that, but if you... Anyways. Hold on. Hold on. I feel like this episode is going to require some sort of like a content warning beforehand because it's starting to get real um, gritty. A little bit. It's getting a little gritty yeah. up in here. Now, not long after Solange's death, Gabrielle underwent some harsh treatment at the hands of her leader. So remember, she was the one who helped him with his operations she went to jail for nine months she basically helped him kill solange uh so now she's the one that's being tortured so she suffered welding torch burns to her genitals had a hypodermic needle broken off in her back and had eight of her teeth forcibly removed where is this guy getting all these things why do they have olive oil and molasses and then, like, a way to, like, put them inside of someone's <laughs> Not asshole? Sure. Not sure. As well as just a random hyperdermic needle that you can break off into someone's back? Yeah, not sure. You been, you done been messing around. Give me that hyperdermic needle. I'm going to break it off right in your back. Yeah. Fucking weirdo. Um, anyways, so Gabrielle attempted to escape but was caught, and Rock then decided to cut off parts of her breasts. He cut off one of her fingers with wire cutters and hacked off her arm with a chainsaw. Yep. Uh, eventually, she managed to escape the commune and told authorities what had happened, which led to Rock finally being arrested in 1989 for assault and finally led to the cult dissolving. Holy crap Yeah. Uh, so Rock was convicted of Solange's murder in 1993 and received a life sentence which he served at dorchester penitentiary in dorchester new brunswick until he was murdered on february 26 2011 wow yeah um his wives and concubines would continue to visit him while he was incarcerated and he still fathered many more children during this time which is disgusting um his death though his death his murder this is the one time i'm like fuck you you deserve to be murdered Mm-hmm. Um, came very, very swiftly when he was stabbed in the neck with a shiv by his cellmate, Matthew Gerard McDonald, who then proceeded to go to the, the prison guards and casually confessed to the murder, saying, that piece of shit is down on the range. Here's the knife. I've sliced him up. Wow. Yep. Um... In 2002, a film was released titled Savage Messiah, which depicted Rock's crimes against his followers and the legal proceedings that he faced. Gabrielle Lavalle, who did survive, uh, wrote a memoir of her experiences in the cult called Alliance of the Sheep. Now, 
I have known about the Antel Kids for a while, but I've been recently binging uh, another Canadian podcast called Dark Poutine, which I love. It's so good. Um, but they did an episode on the Antel Kids. And if you want to listen to it, it was really well done. It's episode 69. Um, <laughs> the Antel Kids were also featured on episodes 434 to 436 on last podcast on the left, which is also another really good episode or podcast to go and listen to. So if you want to know more um, and more in-depth studies about them, then check out those podcasts or go to Google and do some research, research yourself. Now, the Antel Kids were not the only cult activity in Canadian history. The next one we are going to focus on is from the community of Bountiful in British Columbia. Have you heard of it? I don't know. I'm a little spooked now about <laughs> even listening to more calls in Canada. Um, I promise you, this one's not that bad. I'm not supposed to be the spooky one. I'm supposed to be the kooky one. <laughs> and now I'm spooked. Are we going to get into it? No. I have other things that I want to talk <laughs> okay. about. Here, like I've got a, a list. cleanser? Yeah, I've got a list here. Okay. Um... What color do you think pairs best with my eyes? Is it blue? Because I really like blue. But what about red? Because I don't really like red. Can we talk about that instead? Uh, blue does look nice on you. Red, not so much. I'd like to continue with my story, please. Okay, but I have one more here. And I think one it's very more. relevant. It's a little topical, a little political. One more, and then we're getting into this. Okay, listen. Okay. Think about this for a second. Okay. How much would... Does a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood? But more importantly, wait, wait. what? <laughs> how much wood? How much money does a woodchuck make? Because if a woodchuck could chuck wood, then I feel like people would want to hire them. Like laborers <laughs> in the in the forestry area would want to be like, "Hey, this this dang woodchuck can chuck wood like nobody's business." So like, you know, he's chucking quite a bit of wood. I imagine. I mean, that's how it goes. What kind of a wage would you give him? Like, a, what's a fair Alberta wage for a woodchuck? Is it $15 an hour? That's minimum wage here. But, you know, what's a woodchuck going to do with all that money if a woodchuck could chuck wood and got hired by a forestry to chuck wood for them? <laughs> and then they realized they had to pay him a fair wage. That went on a lot longer than I expected it to. Well, I just, I'm just saying that these are things that I think about. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh I don't know what a fair wage is for a woodchuck. I was going to palate cleanser. I feel better now. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Talk, tell me about cool. Bountiful. It sounds nice. Sweet. Sounds like a great little place. Uh, so nestled in the community of Bountiful in British Columbia lived a very special family. Imagine this. You're a teenager being raised alongside your 149 other siblings. That's right. 150 siblings. Not cousins. Not friends. Straight up brothers and sisters. I think you might need to rewind there because I think you just said... You're living with 150 <laughs> brothers and sisters. That is what I said. Are they all from one father and mother and then the father's like fucking all the daughters? Is that what's um, going on? Because I really don't want to talk about it if that's the case. <laughs> is that what's going on? Uh, Kaya. Okay. Let me preface this by saying that they are a family from the Church of Latter-day Saints. Gosh, dang it. It's the Mormons. Okay. Cool. Go ahead. All right. Um... So, Winston Blackmore, who is the founder of the family, was born on August 25th, 1956 to Ray and Anna Mae Blackmore. He was the ninth child in her line of 13 children. 
Okay, but, 13 is a reasonable number when right. it comes to 150. Uh, but there was something different about Winston's family. His father, Ray, had six wives, although Anna Mae was the only wife he was legally married to. I feel like I'm in a riddle of so, some sort. 13 children in her line. Okay? Her line. I don't know how many siblings he had altogether. Um, I don't think that's relevant right now. House Blackmore. Right. 150 now, siblings. <laughs> Winston was also the nephew of former Social Credit Party of Canada leader John Horn Blackmore, who was excommunicated from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints for teaching and advocating the doctrine of plural marriage. Yep. He also tried to urge Parliament to repeal the anti-polygamy law. You know what? I think it's time that we all accepted plural marriage because I think it's not that hard. Just... Marriages, marriages, marriages. That's the plural of marriage. Why do we have to just like ban it from <laughs> language? Um, marriages. You're See, it's not that difficult. <laughs> right. He, uh, his uncle John also succeeded in removing specific references to Mormons that had been in the law. I didn't realize that in Canadian law we had references to Mormonism, but we did. Wow. Yep. First we have Mr. William Lyon Mackenzie King, who's like, well, I guess I'll just talk to my dogs and find out, you know, what they're going to wag at and then decide <laughs> which way we're going to lean. Is it left? Is it right? Are we going to, you know, give people a universal basic income or are we going to put them all to death? I guess it's all going to depend on Sparky over here. But and now we've got we got Mormons. Mormons are in Canadian law. Let's let's hear it. Anyways, so Winston was also related to Carolyn Jessup, who was a former Latter-day Saints church member who wrote an account of her upbringing in the polygamist sect and her escape from the community, as well as her cousin by marriage, Ruby Jessup, who was a child bride and also escaped the Latter-day Saints controlled polygamist community. So he's related to like some people that the church maybe doesn't necessarily like. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when he got older, Winston was the bishop of the Bountiful Group of the Fundamentalist Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, or FLDS. Uh, and he was the bishop for two decades. So 20 years. Good for him. Yeah. A long career. Um, now, when Rulon Jeffs, who was the president of FLDS, uh, when he died, Winston was one of two potential successors for the role of president, the other being Warren Jeffs. Uh, Rulon's son. Makes sense, right? You would figure it would just be As soon as you start talking about families and stuff, I just start thinking about like Game of Thrones or the Bible where it's like, (laughs) Warren had a son, Are you honestly telling me you don't know who Warren Jeffs is? No, who the hell is that? You don't know anything about the FLDS church? No. Oh, okay. Well, I thought that you might. Some people will. See, I'm your co-host because I don't do spooky That's and fair. macabre and cult and, and whatever else. I know that our entire group of 25 to 35-year-old women who love true crime podcasts that listen to our podcasts have definitely heard of what you're talking about. But right now, it's just in one ear and out the other. Thanks. Anyways, I'm going to continue, and if you choose to listen or not, that's your choice. Um, (laughs) I just realized what I said, but it's also late at night. It's been a long day. I'm going to continue. Now, Warren ultimately succeeded his father due to playing a significant role in the church during the period leading up to his father's death. Um, And then in September of 2002, Warren excommunicated Winston 
but Winston claims he left the church on his own accord. This caused the community of Bountiful to be split in half. So about 400 people followed Winston, and then the rest followed Morin and the FLDS church. And Winston decided that this was going to be a good time for him to found the Church of Jesus Christ, in brackets, Original Doctrine, Incorporated. (laughs) It's not enough that they have the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. They have to come up with all these other messed up terms yeah. to go with it. Is exactly. that what plural marriage is? Maybe. Is it just coming up with different religions? Probably. And just like bastardizing their names? Probably. Now, Winston was married 25 times between 1976 and 2009. A new world record. And according to RCMP investigations, nine of his wives were girls under the age of 18 when they got married. Like some young. Yeah. Winston's only legal wife is Jane Blackmore, who he married in 1976 when she was 18 years old. He was around the same age at that time. And they have seven children together. Now, Jane did not want to marry Winston, but she agreed to carry out this assignment after believing she had received instructions from God and that if she backed out, she would be sent to damnation. This is this is you this is you when I was like, "Hey, I want to marry your daughter." You're like, "I will carry out this assignment." <laughs> I'm an assignment now? Yeah. Uh now Jane split from Winston in 2002, which was around the same time that the rift between Winston and Jeffs had started. Uh she fled with her youngest daughter to protect her from being married off before her 18th birthday cuz one thing that you probably don't know about the FLDS church, because you don't know anything about them, um, is that child brides, very popular. I have heard of this. Yes. I've definitely heard that Mormonism, um, child brides, a little storied past, or sorry, a little storied uh, chapter of their history that they prefer to kind of sweep correct. under the rug. Now, it's not really history because it's still happened in like the 2000s it's probably still happening today to be honest but they didn't um, put that in the musical so i didn't know about it right so speaking of child brides um like i said nine of of winston's wives were under 18 when they got married uh four of them were only 15 when he married them yeah 15. Are you looking for a reaction or no, some sort of I'm joke? Because like there's nothing for me to joke about on that. Taking a moment for That's myself terrible. because I'm like at 15. Like, anyways. What is love? I'm only 15. <laughs> now, please don't marry me. Women and no girls more. in the community were taught to be obedient, marry young, and have as many children as possible, to never refuse their husband's sexual advances. They were also taught that plural marriage is the highest degree of celestial glory in the afterlife. and that Marriages. It is... <laughs> See, it sounds so great right. and celestial. And that it was necessary to live a life that is secret and separate from mainstream society. For sure. Yeah. According to Merlin Blackmore, who is one of the many children of Winston. Wait, his name was Merlin? Yeah, M-E-R-L-I-N. Yep. That's wonderful. Uh, he has since left the community. And he's spoken out about his family and stuff. And his love of Dungeons and Dragons. Now, he said that children were trained to call their biological mother mom and that the other wives of their father mother followed by their first name. So it'd be like Mother Christina, Mother Lorraine, 
Mother Shalina. These are real wives names, by the way. What a fricked up childhood that must have been. Uh, The large family had what they called a motel house where all the teenagers lived. As they grew older, they no longer lived with their mother. So like once you hit 13, they're like, "Mm, you can go live in this house with all your teenage siblings. Which was probably a lot of them. I mean, there was 150 kids. Sounds like a nice little uh, sitcom that ABC would love to get a hold of. Or what's right. that other one? TLC? Yeah. They can put it right on after... Um, Sister Wives. Sister Wives and My 600 Pound Life. And 19 Kids and Counting. And 19 Kids and yeah. Counting. Yeah, they all kind of go together. Uh, so Warren Blackmore, who was one of the other children of the family and has also left the commune, revealed that the general setting was to have two wives per house with young kids and each wife would occupy one floor of the house. So it was like this hotel house and then like a bunch of other smaller two-story houses. Literally. So it's kind of like a couple kids that like get to the, the camp and they're like, I get the top bunk. It's basically. like, I get the top floor. Yeah, basically. Um, now, in January 2009, Winston and another FLDS leader, James Oler, were arrested by the RCMP and charged with polygamy, but the charges were later thrown out due to questions about how the Crown had selected its prosecutors. Winston, James, and another individual named Brandon Blackmore. Now, I couldn't find the relation. I don't know if it was a son, if it was a brother, but obviously related to Winston. Uh were also charged with bringing a 15-year-old into the U.S. to marry James Leroy Johnson, a 24-year-old FLDS member in 2004. Wow. Yep. Wow. wow, wow. Uh, The case was reopened in 2014 when the B.C. Supreme Court confirmed that polygamy was against the law in a constitutional case. Wait, when did B.C. Supreme Court say that polygamy was not allowed? Uh, Well, they reopened the case in 2014 after, like, reading through everything again 2014 they were like "Mm, maybe polygamy is not a good idea yeah child brides not so good (laughs) winston's lawyers attempted to appeal the case and it was overruled in 2016 on april 18th 2017 winston's trial began and on july 24th 2017 he was found guilty of polygamy He and James Oler were sentenced to jail and could spend up to five years in prison. But on June 27th, 2018, Winston was sentenced to only six months of house arrest, with James receiving only three months of house arrest. Damn. Yeah. Now, the case of Winston Blackmore aided in the prosecution of Warren Jeffs. Um, Information was shared with Texas authorities after Jeffs was convicted of sexually assaulting two teen girls. So sounds like a real stand up yeah. guy. Um, as of August 2019, Blackmore was said to have married 27 times and fathered 150 children. So he should have had 150 years in prison, one for every <laughs> illegitimate right. child. Now, they weren't all illegitimate. He had seven children with his legal wife, Jane. Before so they, they oh, okay, 143 years in prison. Yeah. Um, now. There are a couple other cults that I'm not going to go into, but Canada itself does have, like I said earlier, has connections to other cults that are more well-known. So we'll go through this. We're almost done, I promise. Uh, So we're going to start with a very, very popular, well-known cult recently, whose leader's name is Keith Rainier. Do you know what cult that is? Uh, Rainier Wolfcastle's cult from The Simpsons? No, it'd be the Nexium cult. No, never heard of it. It's like the NXIVM? No. Oh. Well, it has been in the news a lot in the last few years um, because Keith Rainier got, like, 
life in jail for this disgusting ass cult that he had that they tried to like bring all these asses together it was an (laughs) ass cult they brought all these all these celebrities into it including like Allison Mack, who was in Smallville, which you probably didn't watch, but she was like a huge, huge culprit in a lot of this, the weird ass shit that happened in this cult. Um, but anyways, so Canada has many ties to that to Nexium in the form of victims. Some of them don't want to be named. Others have no problem putting their name out there including Sarah Edmondson who is currently suing leaders of the cult so Keith Rainier uh Allison Mack the Seagram's the girl who was like um the heir to the Seagram's fortune Seagram's is a is like a liquor company okay um Anyways, so she's suing them for emotional and financial harm that she suffered after she was subject to intimidation and harassment upon joining the cult. She was also branded with Keith Rainier's initials, a common process for Nexium initiates. Okay, Nexium sounds like some sort of drug that you take when you can't poop properly. <laughs> well, this cult is full of shit. Um Now, Sarah is filing the case with her husband and 80 other claimants, including 28 Canadian women and 13 Canadian men. So that's that's a lot of people. That's a lot of Canadians. Yeah, that's a little messed up in this. A little bad. Now, during her 12 years as a Nexium member, Sarah actually helped co-found the Vancouver chapter of the cult. Well done, Sarah. Yeah. And now she's like going back on everything. Now, another woman who was referred to as Jane Doe 8, like I said, a lot of them didn't want to be identified, was recruited into DOS, which is, um, was like their main recruiting... Operating system for yeah, their computer. basically. Um, so she was recruited into DOS by Battlestar Galactica actress Nikki Klein, who was married to Allison Mack at the time. She was told she needed to provide nude photographs as well as letters describing a false sexual attack by an actor as collateral should she ever choose to leave the group. Now, this is very true of this group i've listened to po- many many podcasts you've seen photos i've seen photos not the naked <laughs> no 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 not she the... admitted it people. No, 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 she no, no. admitted it no, not that i haven't seen the collateral photos but i've seen like i've seen and heard a lot of things to know that this is true and collateral was required from every initiate into dos i feel like charlie sheen had a cult like this Maybe. and he just never got caught Now, two other Canadian women, Jane Doe 9 and 10, also claimed they were recruited into DOS after handing over collateral. Jane Doe 19 claims she was asked to participate in a study where she was connected to electrodes and shown a video depicting some very gruesome scenes. She reported this to the Vancouver Police Department after she left Nexium, but they apparently closed the case after they found out that she had been a member. They just didn't want anything to do with it. They're like... Our hands are clean of this one. Okay. Uh, Jane Doe 28 was selected to lead a group of East Asian heritage women called One Asian, which was tailored to producing perfect humans secretly considered by Rainier to be potentially suitable sexual partners. I can't. I can't even. Yeah. I can't Um, even. This cult stuff makes me so angry. One more. 
one more cult that we're going to chat about that Canada has ties to. It is called the Order of the Solar Temple. That sounds reasonable. Do you, you don't know who, this one? No. No? Okay. Well, they based their ideals... Um, what do they call themselves? Like the Order of the... Or the, the Tossed? No. Toost? They just call themselves the Order of the Solar Temple. That's a mouthful. Uh, they're based on the ideals of the Knights Templar. And their practice... Is to recover the Holy Grail? <laughs> includes a collection of activities that were a mix of Catholicism, Rosicrucian beliefs, ancient Egyptian beliefs, shamanism, doomsday scenarios, UFO religion, and New Age philosophy, which was adapted from Freemason rituals. See, and it sounds like the Knights Templar were always about those UFOs back in the 1400s mm-hmm. when they were like fighting the Crusades and everything else. They knew before we knew. Holy Grail. Yeah. Yeah. No, they definitely were into that. So kudos to these guys for keeping, like, you know, carrying the torch. Kudos for that. But they are most notorious for being associated with a series of murders and mass suicides in 1994 and 1995 that claimed several dozen lives in France, Switzerland, and Canada. That sounds like the Crusades as well. Yeah. Um, Now, there were solar temple lodges in Morin Heights and Saint-Anne-de-la-Parade, which are in Quebec. And the cult attracted many high-ranking members of Provincial Power Authority, Hydro-Quebec. So there were some, like, important people that got wrapped up in this shit. Um, They were investigated in 1993 in Morin Heights for illegal weapons and suspicion of an assassination plot against the Provincial Security Minister at the time. Who? I didn't even know we had one of those. Uh, Is it just did. a Quebec thing? It might be just a Quebec thing. We're going to kill the provincial Maybe security. Maybe we have one and we don't know. Because that sounds like a pretty, like, that sounds like a yep. like a spy job. If I turned on the news today and they're like, the provincial security minister of Canada was murdered, I would be like, who? <laughs> Fair enough. We have one of those? Yeah. Uh, now, in 1994, a three-month-old named Emmanuel de Troyes was killed at the group's center in Morin Heights. He was stabbed repeatedly with a wooden stake. It was believed... He was a vampire. <laughs> it was believed he was a vampire, obviously. Emmanuel the vampire. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyways. Every once in a while, you get some gold, baby. Yeah. That was it. <laughs> it was believed that... Uh, founder Joseph DeMambro ordered the murder because <laughs> no listen no listen listen hold listen. on no no his name is Joseph DeMambro De- no no DeMambro M-A-M-B-R-O M-A-M-B-R-O DeMambro yes anyway you DeMambro um, so it's believed that he ordered the murder because he identified the baby as the antichrist described in the bible who was born to prevent DeMambro from succeeding in his spiritual realm. You DeMambro. <laughs> um, also in 1994, so October of 1994, a fire broke out in a home in Morin Heights that left five people dead. Investigators found two charred bodies in the home and three stabbed bodies, including a baby in an adjacent building. The day after this event, there was a mass suicide of members in Switzerland, which included a number of prominent Quebecers, including the mayor of Richelieu and his wife, a Quebec City newspaper reporter, and a senior advisor in the Quebec Finance Ministry. It was believed that many were actually killed in a ritual murder, but that some may have been willing participants. 
Now, records seized by the Quebec police after other murders and suicides of the members showed that some had personally donated over $1 million Canadian to DeMambro, which is, that's a lot of money to just like give to some random guy. Named DeMambro. Yeah. Uh, now, in 1970, uh, 1970, 1997, five members of the Order of the Solar Temple took their own lives in a house fire in St. Casimir, Quebec. Three teenagers of one of the couples found dead were located in a shed behind the house, alive but heavily drugged. Um, there's We do have like a couple other little ones, so that's it for the Order of the Solar Temple. But in 2005, the hate crimes unit of the Edmonton Police Service confiscated anti-Fallon gong materials distributed at the annual conference of the American Family Association by Wait. staff members of the Calgary Chinese Consulate. Anti-Jimmy Fallon materials? Yes. Anti-Fallon gong. Anti-Jimmy Fallon gong? Anyways, it's a it's a Chinese cult that is... Oh, okay, got stuff. you. Um, the materials, including the calling of Fallon gong a cult, were identified as having breached the criminal code, which bans the willful promotion of hatred against identifiable religious groups. Got you. Yeah. Uh, so that's some of Canada's crazy cult history that's some of our culture <laughs> wow that was a bad joke i know no it was very good it's just that i'm super shaken up by the the ridiculousness um and disgustingness of the stuff i'm not desensitized like the rest <laughs> of y'all who listen to all these things uh there's a reason we don't have a murder podcast it's a it's a dumb podcast about spooky stories and, and me making fun of ghosts and shit. Yeah. And already I'm starting to think more about ghosts and stuff. And then my Alexis haunted. You're like, I miss the ghosts. I miss the ghosts. <laughs> Bring back the ghosts and the sewer monsters and whatever else you got. Because yeah. uh, this, this shit ain't cool. Speaking of haunted Alexis, I have to remember to send my mentor the video that you shared with me of the possessed Alexa because he doesn't believe me. He should. I, I told you to send it to him. I also told you to tell, him, tell Alexa to fix it. Just like fix being Alexa. You're very bad at being Alexa, Alexa. And if anybody is wondering why. Yeah, I said you're bad, Alexa. Listen. The reason that we are discussing that is because my mentor works for Alexa. So we're hoping he can fix the problem. Yes. Yeah. Hopefully he doesn't listen to this podcast or he'll think a lot different things about you. <laughs> I think we're safe. Um, so yeah, so that's all I have for you, unless you want to know the seven signs that you may be in a cult. I would love to know the seven signs that okay. I might be in a cult. Number one, your leader is the ultimate authority. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they dictate where, how, and with whom the members associate with or isolate them from others. The leader is always right and the members must serve a higher purpose through the leader. Is the seventh one that they try to shove up your ass some molasses and um, olive oil? Let me go through them, okay? Okay. Number two, the group suppresses skepticism and there's zero tolerance for questions or critical inquiry. Okay. Number three, the group delegitimizes former members. There is no legitimate reason to leave. Former followers are always wrong in leaving and are seen as negative or even evil. Got you. Yep. Number four, the group is paranoid about the outside world. They instill fear of the outside world, enemies, leaving or being shunned by the group. Unreasonable fear about the outside world, such as impending catastrophe, evil conspiracies, and persecutions are well known. Better not go out there. There's gator monsters. Number five, 
Number five, the leader is above the law. There are records, books, news articles, or television programs that document the abuses of the group leader, but nobody really does anything about it. Number six, the group uses thought reform methods. They teach emotion-stopping techniques, make people feel the problems are always their own fault, things like that. And then number seven, the group performs secret rites and rituals. Okay, well, that one doesn't sound so much like Arbon or um, World Financial Group or the rest. So maybe maybe they're not a cult. Okay, MLMs, right. I, I take it back. You're not a cult. <laughs> Just very uh, bad for people. So wallets. if you're in a group and any of those resonate with you, you're probably in a cult and should get out. <laughs> yes, yeah. call your doctor. There are resources available out there if you would like to escape the cult. There's a website called Cult Education, which will walk you through how to get out of it. Yeah. Check her out. <laughs> also, if your doctor recommends Nexium for your, <laughs> for your bowel movements. <laughs> for your irritable bowel syndrome. Say no. No, <laughs> no I will to, not. No to Nexium. No to Nexium. All right. Uh, so yeah, so that's all I have. We covered a lot in that, so I'm not going to do a speedy recap because I don't really want to put you through any I'll do a again. speedy recap for you. Are you ready? Okay. Yeah, shit's it. fucked up in Canada, and I don't like <laughs> these cult episodes. That's number one. Number two, we talked about people that lived in an ant, and I was like, okay, cool, you're an anthill gang. You might be like just a ragtag group of kids. No, no, not just a ragtag group of kids. It's like mutilating kids and like cutting off people's breasts. It's not cool, and I'm not okay with it. And then the next one, you're like, oh, yeah, we're just like the Masons, like the Knights Templar, just looking for the Holy Grail. Oh, my God, we just burned a bunch of people. No big deal. And then there's the Jim- Jimmy Fallon gang and a whole bunch of other <laughs> shit. And I'm not for it. I don't like it. I'm done. All right. I'm going home. So no more episodes about cults. You are at home. I am at home. <laughs> I don't feel at home right now. I'm I don't feel safe. I need snacks. All right. Can we um, talk about some of the other things? <laughs> I thought maybe some of those were good points. Like the woodchuck thing. I thought I really had something there. Yeah. Um, well, we'll leave that up for people to comment on on Facebook or Instagram. You can check us out at Spooky Stories Pod on both of those. You can listen to us on Spotify, Stitcher, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Basically, anywhere that there's podcasts, you will find us. And until next time, we hope you keep us. Hold on. Whoa. We have not done a rating yet. Oh, do you want to give this one a rating? I do want to give this one a rating. Are you ready for it? Yeah. What is I it? give this a nope out of nope. <laughs> Perfect. I'm done. Sounds good. Yeah. Visit us on Facebook and Twitter and Stitcher. Twitcher. Twitcher. Standard, we Stitcher. don't have Twitter or Twitter. Instagram. So I'm trying to update us. the Instagram. I just put one on there about lettuce and how we might have ghost lettuce in our house now soon. Yeah, probably. Foxy's already to go. She's like, I, this is a bad podcast day for me. Right? I need to get out of this house right now. Side note, speaking of Instagram, yesterday was National Paranormal, Paranormal Day and I tagged some of my favorite paranormal podcasts and we got a repost on Instagram stories from the No Sleep podcast. And I was super excited about very, that. Very, very excited about yeah. that. Thank you, No Sleep podcast. I think it got us a bunch of new followers. Like, it, it did have like new people follow us that I was like, that must have been how you found us. Cause. So if you're here because of the No Sleep podcast, then uh, at me. Also, uh, don't try to convince me to do more cult episodes because it's not <laughs> happening. It's not happening. So maybe uh, maybe our next episode we'll do like our Reddit or stories. Yeah, no, maybe our next episode we can talk about, you know, uh, how hard it is to maintain <laughs> asphalt in Edmonton. All right. Anyways. Tune in next time. So we want to thank you for listening. And until next time, we hope you 
Keep it spooky. Ooh, but not like that. I really didn't like that one. Don't try to call. <laughs>